It's time to turn off the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So if you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix incest, a revenge plot, beating the shit out of children, and the Christmas demon? Why, you get Krampus 2, The Devil Returns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. Now, before we begin, there's a couple of little disclaimers that I want to make for this episode. Uh, First, I want to talk about the sound quality of this film. It is not very good at all. In fact, watching it uh, on, you know, the home TV, I kept happening to adjust the volume throughout the whole film. There's times when it's really loud, there's times when it's really quiet, there's times, and and I'll talk about a couple of these as we go on, uh, where it's ridiculous, you really can't hear any dialogue at all because there's so much shit going on in the background. So, these clips are going to be varied that will be out through this podcast. Uh, I tried to clean them up as best as I could, uh, but some of them, they would not, without blowing your ears out, they wouldn't get any louder. Uh, but it should be fine to at least get through the dialogue. The second disclaimer is really kind of in the order I should have done these films. See, when I first planned out the month, and I kind of talked about this at the end of the last episode, I decided, hey, I'm going to do Krampus, and I was uh, hinted to Krampus 2, actually by the Fear Merchant, uh, when we had our discussion in the bonus episode. And uh, I thought out of the box this might just have been a shitty sequel to the original not the original but the Krampus film that came out last year and I thought great what are they gonna do it's direct to DVD Uh, I don't have to worry about it you know but they're still gonna carry on some of the same things and then I started to watch the film and realized it's not a sequel to this one it's a sequel to a movie called Krampus the Christmas Demon Uh, which was directed and written by the same director and writer of this film, which, again, is fine. And you honestly don't need to see that movie to get this movie. There's a lot of callbacks to that film, and they explain everything just like a shitty buddy cop drama where 
one cop decides I'm through with the force and I don't want to work here anymore after something tragic has happened to him. And then all his buddies bring him back because the person's back that's doing it. I mean, that's basic plot of this fucking movie. Well, I wouldn't say it's the basic plot, but it's one of the plots of this film. So if you want to, I would say go back, watch Krampus the Christmas Demon if you want to. I don't necessarily recommend it um, because it's pretty terrible. But it does fill in the blanks for a couple of things, especially some of the big revelations towards the end, quote-unquote revelations, towards the end of the film that I was a little lost on. uh, But it doesn't hamper your enjoyment of this movie or the general story of this movie. All you really need to know and, and I'm going to do a quick recap here if you choose not to watch it. So, uh, quick spoiler alert to the first film. Uh, and I know that the film get, this film gets spoiled within the podcast. But if you decide to go back and I'm not doing a full review of that movie, uh, I don't want to spoil it for you. So, I'd skip ahead probably about a minute or two. I'm going to try and make this as quick as possible. So, the original Krampus, the Christmas demon is really about this cop named Jeremy and and he lives in this town and all these kids are disappearing. So he goes and uh, at the same time there's a subplot that has to do with a criminal that's uh, been put away by Jeremy. And it becomes important for the second film because that character's brother is in this one. But I don't want to get ahead of myself just yet. So, uh, and it happens to be that the guy's name is Brian, which bothered the crap out of me the entire film. Uh, but, so, Jeremy goes on and he figures out that Krampus is actually the one that's snatching up naughty kids. Snatching up kids in general. Uh, and, uh, he's being kind of helped by Santa, but Jeremy gets helped by Santa at the end of the movie, so it's kind of weird. You learn more about that relationship in this one. Uh... But the big thing is, is that Brian escapes from prison. He go, he thinks that it's uh, Jeremy's fault for a lot of these things. So he go after, goes after his wife and kid. And uh, Jeremy comes in to try to save the day, but the Krampus has actually killed Brian. And uh, I believe Brian kills Jeremy's wife, or Krampus does. I don't quite remember. But the, ultimately, the end of the film, Krampus has stolen jeremy's daughter uh and santa's kind of saved the day and stopped jeremy from whatever he's planning on doing and not getting killed by krampus and so that kind of leads to where we open up in this film which is weird because we open up to like a uh, kind of cavalcade of people shopping once again isn't that weird that the 2015 film opened up with shopping and this film's original I guess prequel, uh, came out in 2013, and we all know the theatrical Krampus came out last year uh, in 2015. So it's weird that that 2015 film and this film both start out with some type of holiday shopping and happy, cheery Christmas music. Now, there isn't the bloodshed, uh, not necessarily bloodshed, but the violence that happens in the beginning of the, with all the people beating each other up, trying to get towards the toys and everything like that. No, we fade on in, into a bus that stopped. Now, it's, again, it's weird because the picture quality is so crystal clear 
uh, for the bus and for even the shopping before, but once they show the kids get off the bus, it's like the camera just dips like 20 times in quality. The lighting's not very good, and uh, you pretty much realize, oh, that was just stock footage of a bus rolling up and uh, dropping kids off. And that's where we get to get introduced to two characters, Andy and Fatty. Uh, I don't remember the other kid's name that well. Oh, hey, looking at my notes, it says Josh. Of course, Josh is the fat, bad kid. Makes you play on the play, uh, Josh Doesn't Go. I gotta find out where I hid that game. Uh, but n- nonetheless, uh, so Josh, he starts destroying somebody's Christmas decorations. Can't get in through the front door, even though he knocks on it. And he's like, no, no, we shouldn't be here. What are you doing, Josh? What are you, what are you doing, Josh? And Josh is just being a fucking dick, and it's like the stereotypical like bully type dick too. He's got to be a fat motherfucking kid, right? Because only fat kids they're the ones that lash out because nobody likes them because they hate themselves because of their weight and bup, 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 bup. Ugh, I hate that fucking bullshit, man. Leave the fat people alone. Skinny people can be fucked up, messed up kids too. Why isn't fucking Andy the one that's beating the shit out of the house? I mean, they go inside and, well, surprisingly enough, Josh chugs a fucking beer. And I mean, like, he takes it like a motherfucking champ. I mean, I don't condone young kids downing alcohol. Now, don't get me wrong here. And, uh, you know, because they're like, what, like 11, maybe 12, I guess that's what they're supposed to be portraying. But goddamn, does Josh fucking rip that shit. I mean, he's nonstop hardcore, uh, and he's a badass kid, and I want him to be my friend. Uh, wait, no, never mind. Uh, so anyway, so they go upstairs, uh, and Josh begins to, of course, he manages to have a spray paint can sitting inside of his bag so he takes the uh the can out and starts spraying merry christmas on the wall meanwhile andy hears noises coming from downstairs and you get like these really weird kind of glimpse shots of krampus uh well or should i say a creature but it's you know it's fucking krampus come on this is the second one you should already know what he looks like uh unless you haven't seen the first then man you are in for a fucking treat uh so Krampus starts walking up the stairs, uh, and you see the the hooves. Well, they look more like silver boots than they do hooves. So you see them climbing up the stairs, and finally, uh, you know, Andy he, when he wonders what the hell's going on, Joshum stops to tell tells him that he should stop being a fucking pussy. Uh, and then Krampus shows up, but you don't get a shot of him. Instead, you get a reaction shot of Andy and Josh going, ah! and then we fade to uh, another scene where we see Santa and he's lined up and he's talking with all the kids about what they want for next year. So what's your name? My name is Donnie. Well, Donnie, what could Santa Claus get you for Christmas this year? I'd really like to get the game Black Ops 3. Mm. That's some sort of computer game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Why don't you give your thumbs a break? How about getting outside? How about a nice baseball, or a basketball, or a football, something like that? I hate playing outside, it's boring. Or how about a, a little puppy dog, or a little furry kitten? Learn some responsibility. I hate dogs and cats, they're all ugly and smell bad. 
Well, you know, Donnie, you don't always get what you want for Christmas. Santa sometimes brings you what you need. So it's at this point that uh, Donnie over here, he pulls on Santa's beard, to which Santa goes, ow, and then he walks away. Santa pulls out a piece of paper, and he looks at it, and he has a bunch of names on the list. And uh, I think we get the funniest line in the fucking movie. Ow! You're a fake. Hey, come back here. What's your last name? Baker, with a B. Is Baker spelled any other way? That's Baker with a Z. Or that's that's Baker with a T. It's just pronounced phonetically as Baker, but it's spelled T-A-K-E-R. Like, the kid's a little fucking prick. I get it. But that line is so laughably bad. Like, how the hell do you go and... And think that that's a... Is it supposed to be funny? Like, purposely funny and bad? Or were you thinking that, oh, this kid, he's got to be a little silly, maybe a little dumb, but he's got to say it with such conviction. Baker with a B. Like, really? And then, of course, the stuff he lists, uh, I want... You know where in normal times when they want Call of Duty 3. Well, Black Ops 3, I should say, before somebody yells at me. Uh, and, and then he's like, well, you know, you get a dog. No, I don't want a dog. Yeah, he wants fucking Call of Duty. Give the kid the fucking game. What's so wrong with that? What's so wrong with wanting fucking video games? I wanted video games when I was a kid. Fuck, you know, when, when you have that Nintendo and your mom only buys you a game, you know, every couple of months or maybe twice a year, and one of them happens to be fucking Christmas... You asked Santa for video games, so maybe you can get more than one. You know, that's how I ended up with the Super Nintendo version of Judge Dredd, which Santa must have thought I was a very bad kid that year. Maybe I should have asked for a puppy. Uh, I probably would have ended up with a bike. But then if I would have asked for a bike, maybe I wouldn't have ended up with Judge Dredd. Uh, Anyway, so... uh, (laughs) So Santa checks him off his naughty list, and then we continue on. Uh, we go out into the forest, and we see that there are two cops, and they're coming up uh, on a house where there's a guy inside that's got a really long beard and looks like a certain radio personality that I know of. I saw them walking along the tree line. I wanted to make sure there was nothing going on. Thanks, Monk. What are you doing here, Dave? It's happening again. What's happening? The missing children. The missing children? Are you kidding me? That's what he does. That's what he's always done. It will always happen. It's different this time, Jeremy. It's happening way earlier and it's way more intense. And what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me, huh? You're the only one that's gotten close to him and we need your help. No! (laughs) That no at the end of there too cracks me up. No! I mean, if you can't tell already, the acting in this film is horrendous. The actually... There are two really standout performances in this film. One is Santa Claus, but he sounds like a fucking washed up Billy Bob Thornton doing a bad Santa impression. And then there's uh, another guy will be introduced later on in the film, which is the brother of Brian from the first film. You should also note that this film takes place five years after the first film. So he's now out of the game. And uh, of course, these guys keep trying to bring him back in. We never found her, Jeremy. You leave her out of this, and what the hell does she have to do with anything? We 
found signs of her. Signs? Who the fuck is this? Jeremy, we need your help. And if you don't want to come back with me, at least point me in the right direction or we can start looking for this thing. Because we're out of options. Yeah, we've done nothing and we're all out of ideas. I mean, seriously, this is one of those films. This is like Lethal Weapon right here, right? You got Riggs uh, and Murtaugh, and Murtaugh is too old for this shit, and he doesn't want to do it anymore. Or something's happened, you know, within the last one where his house that he'd been working on got burnt down by, uh, what's his name? Fuck if I don't know, Kung Fu action star. Uh... I know it's going to come back to me while I'm recording this podcast. Don't worry. We're going to be like a, an hour in and I'm going to go, oh, fuck. Uh, that, that's not Jackie Chan. <laughs> no. But anyway, so he got his house burned down. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Just like Jeremy here, he got his daughter kidnapped and he went into isolation because he doesn't want to deal with it anymore, I guess. And then he's got this guy, Monk, who's just like this big burly guy that watches out for him. I never quite got the relationship. They explained it a little bit, but it didn't... I think I just glossed over it because I really didn't give a shit. Because he's just there to fucking die later on in the movie, so... And if you don't guess that about certain characters, man... This thing plays it by the book in terms of how it does certain things. Uh, to the point that you can guess something, uh, and it's probably going to happen in this film... Uh, it's just pretty predictable in the way that it works. But, so, they want to bring him back in, and he doesn't. And, of course, the way that they do it is they talk about his daughter, that they didn't find any evidence of how she died or if she did die. And then that finally, like, ten minutes into this movie, brings us to the title cards. It's weird that you would wait this long, especially when you start the film off with music. You think that, oh, that's just the way that it's going to go, but that's not the case for this film it takes about 10 minutes and almost 20 something seconds like 27 seconds for the title cards to begin and then it's that boring ass title music that's like a mix between boring and porno music like it wants to start getting going up like you know we're ramping up to the big sex scene in the porno but really all it really is is just the talking scenes that nobody gives a shit about that's most of the music in this film it wants to go somewhere but it doesn't it just stays fucking boring uh and uh so getting off of that uh, we then go and we get a little news report to give us, one, a little bit of backstory, and two, a little bit more insight what's been going on in the town. I'm on the scene at the Edinburgh Police Station, where citizens gathered earlier today to address their concerns about the police's attempt to apprehend the person responsible for the recent string of missing children. Officers Paul Sharp and lead investigator Dave Kane briefly address the crowd. The media has been advised to refrain from photography this time. It's also been rumored that former officer Jeremy Duffin has been brought in to help assist police in the apprehending of the person or persons responsible for the missing children. What about my knees? Listen, listen, listen. We're doing the best we can That's right now. Bullshit! Thank you. Captain Fairby will be holding a press conference tomorrow morning. I suggest that you are all there. We have a lot of good information that's come to fruition. We'll be sure to pass on. That's all I got to say right now. Where's my son? Hey, 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 hey,
Jeremy Duffin is the police officer whose wife was murdered and daughter went missing almost five years ago to date. We will have more in the story as the day progresses. This is Rob Sanderson with Channel 5 News signing out. Okay, so this guy looks weird as all hell. And it looks like they spent a lot of their budget on the uh, computer infographic of showing you that the news headlines are coming up. Because that actually kind of looks good. I mean, it's a bunch of sharp edges and just lines and shit like that. But compared to the rest of the film, man, that is fucking top notch. Then you have this guy who just looks like a creeper. Like, he's the guy that's going to be sitting in the roll rink in the back just watching the people go by and figuring out which person is going to be the victim that he's going to try to lure into his van at the end of the night. Uh, it's really big. And he just looks like he's literally reading off of a cue card. Like, maybe like real newscasters do. You know, most of them read off a teleprompter. But this guy is obvious. I mean, he's got his head back and his eyes are constantly moving and looks like he's just trying to do this. And then he does this weird, like, wavy thing, which is funny because i'm doing it right now as i'm talking and you guys can't see shit but it's something that kind of has to be seen to be believed because it's pretty crappy from here we go now to a scene of krampus coming upon a shack in the middle of the the snowstorm i guess and that that costume is really fucking shitty i mean it's obviously some kind of mask over a you know, kind of like a Santa suit, but like a nicer Santa suit. Like, Santa in this movie is literally like bad Santa. Like, he's wearing the bad Santa Santa suit. It's something that you would find maybe at a thrift store or at uh, Kmart on sale or hell, even like Walmart in the Satan section, which I think that's most of Walmart, to be honest with you. Like, I've always thought, as a segue, I'm sorry, but... Satan, if he shopped anywhere, it would be Walmart, which would make sense that Krampus probably would also buy his clothing there too. Maybe even Santa, but at least this Santa, because this Santa looks like a dime store hobo when it comes to other Santas in other films, yet he's supposed to be very, very important. He just looks like a piece of shit. Uh, so, uh, and it's weird because he's kind of got a list too, so it makes me wonder at this point if Santa is his, like, contract person. Like, he's a contract killer for Santa Claus. Santa Claus writes up the notes and then gives them to Krampus, and Krampus goes, all right, I'll go get that kid and beat the crap out of him or whatever that he does. Uh, so it's it's weird. Let me go back, and now we're in the home of uh Danny uh Baker with a B and his mom and uh, of course he's being a little shit his mom is calling to him and saying Donnie Donnie can you come and help me and I'm sorry if I said Danny first because I keep going through the two in my head but Donnie Donnie you know you need to get ready for bed and there's Donnie and playing what looks like to be an etch-a-sketch but it's really a tablet i guess or some shitty tablet it's like in this red thing okay when you look at it from far away it looks like a fucking etch-a-sketch like i didn't know kids nowadays probably still play with that type of etch-a-sketch not like a digital screen or anything super super fancy it's just weird okay at least what they put on it and uh but you know he obviously is playing a tablet and then his you know mom comes over to him and uh, she's like, 
you know, you better get upstairs, you're going to be grounded. And then Donnie runs upstairs with his tablet because he's a little fucking uh, privileged whiny bitch. And, and it's really funny because when they do shots of the kitchen with her in the house, again, there are like no covers on the light sockets or the electrical outlets in this house. So where did they get the set from? Because they obviously didn't build it, and it's obviously in a place, and it doesn't look like a base. Maybe the first house was the demo house, and they're working on flipping it. And this one is the almost flipped house. They just need to put the sockets in because everything in this goddamn place looks new. Uh, Sorry, I digress here. So we also find out that Mom's a closet smoker, but at least she smokes American Spirit. And she goes outside to take a puff... Because she's somehow hiding it from her kid and maybe her husband. But I, fuck if I know if he's even around. So upstairs we see Donnie. He's there. He's still playing with his tablet. Not going to bed like a naughty kid would. Uh, and then he starts hearing noises. So he decides to... Well, actually he goes into the bed and he's playing on the bed. I should apologize for that. Uh, and he all of a sudden starts hearing noises and he yells outside like a pansy saying mom there's something under my bed uh not in that voice necessarily but you know my character voices are top fucking notch and so she's outside like oh my god now he thinks there's nothing under your bed and he's you know whiny whatever and then he puts the cold covers on himself and then krampus is underneath the covers like a giant fucking pervert what the fuck, Krampus? Why the hell did you go underneath the covers with the kid? What are you going to do, buttfuck him as punishment? I mean, come on. You don't mess with the ch- kids in that way. But nonetheless, it's more or less to kind of give you that scary feeling of, oh, look, there's a bad plastic masked monster in front of me uh, that's trying to scare the crap out of me, but it's not because that looks so horrible. Uh <laughs> And so, eventually, Mom's outside, and she's whispering to herself, and then Donnie screams. She runs upstairs. Donnie's completely gone, and he's dragged that kid uh, the hell off the property. She runs outside, screaming, uh, looking for her gun, but runs into somebody. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Donnie's gone. I heard you. Donnie's gone. That thing got him. That thing fucking got him. All right, let's go inside. No, I'm going to get my shotgun. No, no, no. No, no, no. We can't. No, we can't. We can't. We can't. Let's go inside and call the police. Let's go inside and call the police. That's the only thing that's going to help him. Let's call the police. Let's call the police. Come on. Now, why wouldn't this guy, like, be like, no, you can't shoot him, but why don't you go inside and call the police and I'm going to run after in the direction that you think this guy ran off in instead of, no, let's just go inside because the best thing that we can do is make sure that this guy, whoever kidnapped your son, gets the far the fuck away as possible so that we can't follow him or chase after him, even though he is dragging the kid in the snow. So I guess that's one way that we could do it, and you can probably follow him right away. And I guess this movie would probably be over pretty soon. Uh, but at one point, you know, the kid's trying to fight back Krampus while he's in the bag, and Krampus takes a switch off a tree and beats the shit out of the bag. All right, child abuse. Let's do it. Uh, 
<laughs> until the kid doesn't move anymore, and then he continues to drag him off, but he drops something along the way on one of the trees. Whether it's on purpose or it was a part of his outfit, I'm not quite sure, but I think we kind of know it's on purpose based upon what's happening later in the film. So from here, we cut over to the police station where Jeremy is arriving with Dave and his partner, as well as with Monk, who, again... I don't know what the point of this guy is. We get introduced into Lori as she introduces herself into Jeremy, who has a similar experience to him. Um, this is Lori. Lori Taylor from Buffalo. Oh, hi. Gil's told me lots of nice things about you. Nice to meet you. You too. Um, you and I, we... Um, what? We both have children that were taken. <laughs> We've both been um, trying to hunt this thing. I'm sorry. It's okay child he was taken about the same time as yours actually i mean i was right there at home i mean i was there right there when it happened me too i was there when he took my daughter and uh i heard so they're interrupted by the fact that uh somebody runs in saying that the poor baker kid has been abducted oh i'm sorry the poor baker with the b kid has been abducted i want to make sure you guys know that it's baker with a b so he's been abducted by something, and they all run out to the baker's place. Uh, they meet Amy Baker, and she comes up kind of yelling quickly like Homer uh, when he becomes really fat. And, oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. There's going to be gas. There's going to be so much gas. going to be all And that's kind of the way she comes up. But she's really low. Like, you can barely understand what she's saying. But she's basically mumbling about Donnie being taken from her. During the meanwhile, we're also taken over to Santa's place. Actually, a little bit before we arrive at the Baker place. And we see that all the kids have been basically left there and either strung up on the wall or left on the floor. And we get to meet Santa in his true form for this movie. Hey, kids. It's Santa Claus. Woo! We gonna have some fun today? Jing jingling, it's killing time. Hey, my little tart. You want to hear some Christmas music? Come on, sure you do. So at this point, I thought that Santa possibly was Krampus. Like it was just Krampus. He just put on a mask and he was going around and maybe it wasn't necessarily a supernatural thing. But then of course... Krampus fucking shows up. Great. And Santa does some really weird things here. He he hangs a photo frame over a kid. And then, well, it's actually the Baker boy. Uh, Baker with a B. And puts the, uh, the photo or the picture frame on top of him. And then covers him with a wreath and takes a picture. And it's really fucking odd and weird. But like I said, the guy that plays Santa is actually one of the better actors in the film. And it's a role that I kind of enjoy the way that he does it here. Uh, but it's just really weird. And you kind of get the feeling that Santa doesn't really give as much of a fuck as we once thought he did. Especially when he starts reading the Santa letters that he's got. Let's see what we got here. To Santa. I'm not going to tell you my name. I'm not going to read your fucking letter. Dear Mr. Claus, actually, it's Mr. Kringle. Whatever. 
I would like to have a brand shiny new bicycle for Christmas this year. Well, we'll see about that. His name's not on the list. He'll probably get a real bike this year. But you... Thanks, brother. Hard to see without my glasses on. You, Donnie, you are all on this list. Right here. So Santa then instructs Krampus to take care of the kid. And how does he do it? By fucking slapping the shit out of this kid. He just goes back and forth and back and forth. I mean, he literally, this kid has to act getting the shit beat out of him. Like, I have not seen this before. The last time I seen a kid get hit this hard in the movie was Radio Flyer. And that was about child abuse. This is fucking Santa Claus and Krampus here. And Krampus just wailing on this kid. Like, absolutely nuts. Like, how did they, they get the okay from the mom? Hey, um, you know, we need to use your kid in this scene. And he's going to be a bad kid. And uh, we're not going to have a body double. I'm, I'm terribly sorry about this. Uh, and I hope that your kid can do it. Now, I'm, I'm hoping you're okay with this. You see, Krampus... He's just going to start using uh, his pimp hand. And his pimp game is fucking strong in this movie, alright? Just, it's just like, bitch better have my money right now or I'm going to keep slapping. And the kid, of course, doesn't have Krampus' money, okay? Now, now he's not really going to get hit, but he's going to have to act like he gets the shit beat out of him. Is that okay with with using your son in this way? That, that, that's fine. You're going to give us money for it? Because if you're going to pay us, fuck it. Do what you want. If you really want to hit him, hit the fucking kid. You know, uh, I, I just, I don't get it. Like, you watch it and I quit. Honestly, I couldn't stop laughing. I think it was the second funniest part in this movie. Uh, is watching him and then after he's done with him he just cuts him down and he falls on the floor and his face is all bloodied and everything and uh then santa says string up another so he goes and he strings up another kid and then we kind of cut away uh before santa can or krampus i should say can actually uh take revenge on this kid for being on the naughty list as well now we go back over to the baker with a bee house and uh we see that they're checking the grounds and jeremy he's actually found something that belongs that he believed to his daughter what'd you find it's heather's girl are you sure yeah it's the one she had when she went missing that day when you took her it doesn't surprise me it doesn't surprise me what do you mean we found some other stuff of hers a cell phone slippers I don't understand. She's the only body we didn't find. What? She could still be alive. So, twist. Krampus is really his daughter. No, 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 no. That would have been a good twist. Like, somehow they need to kidnap a kid and that kid becomes Krampus every so often because old Krampus dies and new Krampus is born from one of the naughty kids they steal. That would have been fucking fantastic, but that's not the way that this film is going. 
So don't get your hopes up with that. But that was the thing that was left by Krampus. Now, it kind of looks like maybe it was done unintentionally, but I think it was done a little intentionally by Krampus. Because why would you leave that if you kind of found out that Jeremy was going to be around and you want to get revenge on that poor guy? From here, we then uh, cut to a random bar. And we see this old gentleman uh, with a very gray beard. And we see a Sherry Moon zombie look like. Like, really, she does kind of look like Rob Zombie's wife, but she doesn't have the annoying voice, and she can kind of act a little better, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, Well, one of his goons comes up and tells him that they found somebody, and of course, he wants him to spit it out. Well, spit it out, TJ. Jeremy Duffin. Where? The police station. I was driving through town, I saw some commotion, decided to check it out. Did they see you? Absolutely not. Wait, who is Jeremy Duffin? Jeremy was the pig that killed his brother. It's probably back because of all the missing kids. Yeah, no doubt. What do the missing kids have to do with anything? This former cop believes that there's some kind of monster taking the children. Whatever, I could give a shit. No, it's no longer just him. It seems like the whole police force believes in the fact that there's some monster out there that's taking the kids because they obviously are not talking about a person in as a, somebody they can just capture and do something about. They're actually talking about Krampus himself. And then second off, your brother in the first film was not a very nice person at all. I mean, at all. They kind of described him as like a possible kitty toucher, man. And you're okay with that? You want to get revenge? Shit, you should have been okay with him being killed in the first place, okay? If he's going to go out there and he's going to kidnap kids or do things to kids, you probably should have tried to maybe, you know, done something about it yourself. I'm not necessarily saying kill him, but help him get put away, make sure he stays away, make sure he gets the help that he needs. But instead, no, because he got killed because he went out for revenge for being locked up for the crap that he did, you have to be a typical bad guy and have to go after him to revenge your brother. And again, what does this have to do with a fucking Krampus movie? And that, my friends, is one of the biggest problems of the first film, is Krampus is really not in it all that much. They try to make it for here because he's in it quite a bit more, but they're they're still... They're not even like side plots. They're like subsequent plots. They're running parallel to the main plot at the same time. And they spend again more time with this than they do anything about Krampus. And it just seems like, okay, well, we're going to just do a couple scenes here and there. And then he's going to be there. And then, But it's really a bit more about the revenge plot. But we also know that it's a lot to do with Jeremy because he's trying to find his kids again, right? So it's... It's better in this movie than it is the first movie, but the first movie spends way too much time on that. And again, there's no reason that this guy should be trying to avenge his brother's death when his brother was a fucking jerk-off and probably deserved to die. So, uh, outside of this scene, so, well, they all get together. They say, okay, why don't you, you, know, you take him and take her and make sure that you look after my girl, uh... And go get Jeremy and bring him back to this house. I wonder what house that's going to be. But I guess we're going to have to figure it out later in the movie. 
Uh, we then cut over to Krampus, who's setting up piles of sticks outside for some reason. And then he's approached by Santa, telling him that he is out of fucking control. Hey, we got a job to do. You're being reckless. You're leaving yourself too exposed. This list. See this shit here? This little Adam Philibon? He beat up a kid over his lunch money. I know it's not all that big of a deal, but still. He needs to be punished. He also kicked a dog. You know how I feel about animals. There's a lot of other kids too, and not just here. We got a lot of ground to cover and a little bit of time. But this place, this place harbors some shit, doesn't it? Oh, hey, guess what? I forgot to tell you guys something. Krampus can fucking talk. It's fucking Dr. Claus, Krampus here. I'll get you next time, Gadget. Next time, after I deal with these naughty kids. <laughs> Seriously, like, you can barely hear him and barely make him out, but he's in there. And that's the voice that they chose to use. It's so horrible. Oh, boy, I laughed so hard at that as well, and I'm still laughing now. And then there's Santa here telling me, like, Oh, you're being, you know, you need to be quieter. And yet I'm out here yelling at the top of my voice of how you shouldn't do it. And you're like, okay, Santa, you're making more noise than fucking Krampus is. Come on, dude. You know, you got to chickety check yourself as well. So he's got his new list. And, and what was funny before this, too, is that Krampus was running along the roofs in this really terrible animation. And he looked like some sort of Christmas ninja jumping over the, each of the roofs and waking people up. And I think that's what got Santa a little upset. But there's definitely a lot more bad kids this year. And so that answers the question of why are they starting so early that the other car, the other cops have been asking about. Uh, well, from this little lovely scene, we cut over to the worst audio scene in the fucking movie, and it's between the current chief of police and Jeremy, and they're talking about things and what's going on. Now, I tried to clean this up some so that you could understand what they were saying, but, uh, bad sound editing, uh, left all of the car noise. So instead of a car on a green screen... Uh, we get this nice exchange of dialogue in a car that's actually driving somewhere at night. After five years, I just I just don't understand how how that could be possible. That bracelet. That bracelet was new. That bracelet didn't look old. That bracelet was out there for five years. It would have been tarnished. It would have been. That doesn't make any sense. It's, it's her bracelet, Gil. So, if you made any of that out, which I, it's a lot better than you could actually get it from the film, uh, 
basically it's you know we know that it's been five years since one the last film and two since his daughter was taken and i want you to remember that and we're going to remember that for something that's going to pop up later and uh may or may not blow your mind because yeah we'll see uh so he, he this is the way that he want to make sure that this has closure and finale and everything that he needs to do because his daughter is possibly alive so fuck everybody else's kids i can possibly find my daughter and this gets us to a shaving montage yes he decides that it's time to go back to his old self let's get rid of the beard as well as the hair on my head and they show us him shaving it in almost like slow motion like he gets rid of the big long beard and all this stuff and I was joking, and I even wrote down a note, some, oh, maybe we're going to get a shaving montage, and yep, yep, we sure did. Um, so from from this, uh, we go back uh, to the bar, and this is supposedly where all the cops hang out, and this is something where our villain of the film that's not named Krampus, uh, he figured that everybody would meet up ev- uh, afterwards, because this is where all the cops hang out now. And Jeremy is likely to show up there. So we do come upon all the cops and they're sitting on in a table trying to figure out how they're going to find their kidnapper. Amy? Yeah. yeah. We can't have another Amy, okay? I'm a mom. I know exactly how she feels. I'm starting to think that this thing's tracking everybody that either has a child in the police force or knows somebody in the police force. It's tracking the whole town. I mean, that's all that's happening. We gotta put it into it. Donnie's gotta be the last kid. I agree. Well, there's only one way to find anything out. This golden boy. So Jeremy shows up to the table and he starts talking with everybody, and they try to get a, an idea from him, uh, as well as catch up, but try to figure out how exactly they're gonna get a hold of him. And of course, he has to be a little Debbie Downer about the whole situation, and then explains to them. You can't catch him. And if you do, look what happens. Look what happened to my family. Jeremy, I... uh... You can't kill him, Harry. This is what he does. This is what he's always done. And then he does it all again. Jeremy, I understand you're frustrated. I really do. What if we catch him? Like, really catch him and contain him. So he can't do this anymore. Just, it'll make it all stop. I don't know. Maybe. We can't give up. Right? We can't. It's happening sooner. There's never been reoccurrences like this in the past. It's way more radical. He's taken way more children. All right, do you guys have any idea why? We got some theories. Maybe uh, his powers are dwindling. Maybe he's dying. He's reaching. What about this? Where'd you get that? This. This. Is she still alive? Jeremy, we never found anything from your daughter. Anything. We found a body part from every other missing child except her. Jeremy. Go talk to him. Jeremy. So, of course, the acting in the scene is so deliciously awful that I love it. Uh, and there's really no emotion behind anything that they're saying that anybody, when they talk, go after him. Go after him. Oh, Krampus. He uh, he can't be stopped, man. Like it's almost Keanu Reeves in the early '90s school of acting here. It's just so so wonderfully terrible that it's perfect for me. Uh, 
From this, we see Lori and Jeremy talk. And at one point, we go back outside and we see TJ and his buddy. Uh, I forget what the name of the other guy was and it doesn't really matter. They go inside the bar and they look around and they see Jeremy. So one of them takes out a knife and starts going at him. They've also been told to make sure that What's-Her-Face Sherry Moon look like, uh, that she stays uh, safe. So they tell her, just stay outside, we'll take care of this. So he goes to do it, and when he goes to to basically, I think he has like an asp uh, to go knock him out with. And when he goes to try to do it, Monk flies in and takes that fucker out. And T, uh, T.Y. leaves. And when he leaves the bar, it's so laughably bad it's like they took the film and instead of him just running they sped up the action so it looked like a benny hill movie of him just or episode with him running hella fast out of the god like he bolts he's the new fucking flash okay he's out of there like a fucking lightning bolt and uh of course this causes uh the Sherry Moon wannabe to walk away. Lori kind of sees something and she follows her. Eventually, Lori catches up with her inside of a warehouse and they start to have like the worst cat fight in history. And really, she gets Lori gets tipped off because the Sherry Moon wannabe, she's like walking around on like bubble wrap. Like it's obviously that there's something on the ground because it keeps pop, 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 popping. And so they start fighting. And then it's, like I said, it's the worst cat fight ever. They just go back and forth, rolling on the ground. Till one point, Lori has uh, Sherry Moon's head in between her legs. And we get this, the second best line of the movie. H- horribly best line in the movie, I should say. Ugh, smells like bacon. Fuck you. Now, honestly... I understand bacon, pig, ha ha ha, whatever. But you could have done so many better things because you are caught between her legs, right? And I know it could be really, maybe they don't want to be sexist or something like that, but they could have easily gone like, Smells like rotten tuna. Smells like a whole fish factory. Smells like a bitch that doesn't clean well. Anything would have been better than smells like bacon. Like, what the hell? Then and, and honestly, she has the worst lines in the fucking movie. Because she's supposed to have these lines that maybe make you laugh, but none of them make you fucking laugh. They are all just horribly done. It could just be anything better. I just, uh Well, she ends up winning the fight, too, against Lori. And then when she finally has almost knocked her out, she gives another one of these classic lines. My mom always told me to fuck what you kill. Lucky for you, I only like blondes. Again, this is going to come back, this line is going to come back to haunt her later in the film. Because every time these two are now together, she fucking is just like molesting her in some way, shape, or form. And you don't like blondes or brunettes or where the fuck Lori is. But it doesn't matter. Like, you only fuck what you kill or kill what you fuck? What kind of line is that? 
that makes no sense. So you purposely, so the guy that you're with now, are you planning to kill him before you fuck him? Or you're planning to kill him sometime later after you've been fucking him? Does that make any sense? Does that make any sense to anybody? The line probably sounded cool on paper. Oh yeah, I only fuck what I kill. So, do you go hunting a lot? Um, are you a veterinarian? Um, are you a nurse? Uh, you know, what What? What else have you killed? Like, if you go out there and you go wild game hunting and you kill a deer, that means you fuck it? I, it makes no sense. Absolutely. Uh, but it's there. It's there. Jeremy finds out from the guy that they beat up that they actually, he left behind his keys, so they go looking through the car. And when they go through, they find a cell phone and it tells them where they were supposed to take Jeremy. So he goes and he calls his buddies, the cops, and says, how soon can you be there? And they're like, oh, uh, it's going to take me two hours to get ready. And he's like, you can't take two hours. You, you got to go there now. We're going to head there now because it's two hours to fucking get there. Uh, honestly, you're... You're saying that, hey, I think she, you, this lady got captured and she's going to be up here in two hours. You better get your ass in gear. He's Jeremy's totally right. You can't wait. You got to go now. Meanwhile, we go back over to the other bar with the bad guys. And he's talking to his subordinate who happens to run in. And it makes me wonder because Sherry Moon, you know, wannabe shows up. And I can't figure out how she got there exactly. Because if the other guy had the keys to the car, and that was the only car they took or SUV or whatever, how did she get back? Like, did she steal Lori's car? That's the only thing that I can kind of make uh, make sense of how she got there. Because she just randomly shows up and she had been left behind. That means she's got no way back there. And she tried to run away and hide. So it made me believe that she had no way back there. And she was still just being followed by Lori then and just trying to get away from her, right? So we're back in the bar, and then you know what's going to happen to the poor thug that ran away and didn't produce for this gangster wannabe. What do you want me to do, boss? So let me get this straight. We finally get a lead to Jeremy Duffin, the man who murdered my brother. I send who I thought were the best men for the job but obviously, I was mistaken. Boss, I can explain. You pathetic piece of shit, you left Natasha. Let me explain. I had one request, do you remember? Yes. I asked you to look after her, TJ. One simple little request. I, 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 scumbag motherfucker! Ah! No, I didn't have one in the pipe. Well, Rick, I didn't. I need new man. No man has ever left me but my dad. There's another line for you. Nobody has ever left me behind but my daddy. It's so wonderful and horrible at the same time. Oh my god. The delivery is so earnest and yet it's so bad. Oh. Oh. Oh man. Uh. So then she goes outside and she shows her boss or her bubby or whatever you want to call the guy that Lori's in the trunk and she's wrapped up in Christmas lights and they're on. 
How are they on? I see an extension cord, but where is the extension cord going to? If we're supposed to be like, okay, well, she's plugged in somewhere through the car, then the car has a plug, or it has one of those adapters in it that you plug into the lighter, and then you can plug a regular plug into it. That's the only way that I can figure it out. Otherwise, the car wasn't didn't sound like it was running until the end of the scene when they stopped talking. Then you could hear the fucking car run. Like... What? What? There's so many things that just don't happen right in this movie that are fucking hilarious, okay? Uh, And they're horrible at the same time. Now we cut over to the house and we see Jeremy and Monk and they're running up to, of course, the place where they were going to take them, but that's also the place that Krampa and Santa are hanging up. If you couldn't guess that, fuck. I don't know. Like I said, everything is so fucking predictable in this scene from boss man killing his own guy because he fucked up to this house being here to something that's going to come up in just a little bit that I'm going to let you guys take a guess for a second before I tell you what what's going to happen. And I might even wait more towards the end or I'll tell you my guess, I guess, first. Uh, but it's also daylight outside. So they went from the bar and I guess in only two hours, it suddenly went from pitch black to daylight. Time fucking passes by hella quick here, uh, but they're there. And so they go to the house, and Jeremy goes inside, and Monk says, I'm going to stay outside. Now, that's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard, because, of course, that's going to get Monk killed, right? Why doesn't he just go in with Jeremy to protect him that way, but he's been instead watching the house, I guess, make sure that the other bad guys that are coming to kill him for the son murder or the brother murder uh, aren't going to come after him and surprise him. Inside, Jeremy does find a bunch of the kids that have been kidnapped there and seeing a bunch of them laid on the floor. Now, instead of maybe gathering up the kids, going back and getting the car, making sure that he gets Monk and, and gets some kids out of there, no, he's going to go run after it. And we cut outside where Monk is hearing noises. And, of course, it's Krampus. And they start to have a one-on-one fight scene, which is really shitty. It's mostly just... Monk trying to punch and getting stopped and then getting punched really bad by Krampus. Being thrown into a dead tree. Yes, it's meant to look like you throw him into a real tree so the tree breaks and you get, Oh yeah, man, Krampus is so strong. But obviously the tree's already been either modified or is dead already so it snaps really quick when he bowlers, throws himself into it. Uh, and he starts screaming and of course Jeremy hears the screaming from Monk so he starts running after him. And then... Remember back when Jeremy said, you can't kill him, you can't catch him, you can't stop him? Well, that doesn't stop Jeremy from pulling out his gun and firing about eight shots into Krampus, knowing that it doesn't do shit, so why waste the fucking ammunition? And then we get the possibly fourth funniest scene in the movie, when Krampus uses his backhand to slap Jeremy, But he obviously completes it way before it would connect with Jeremy. And then Jeremy flies back on the ground because he gets knocked out. I had to watch it three times just to make sure that I was correct. Krampus finishes his swing, then Jeremy reacts. It's really ridiculous and really fucking funny. And then we get into the weird part of the movie. I mean, there's the weird parts. The Santa part in the beginning, towards the beginning, was weird. But this is probably the one of the weirdest things. You got Jeremy. He's tied down the ground. He's got candles all around him. It looks like he's got like a swastika, not a swastika, but a pentagram around him. But I think it's just the lighting that's kind of done there. And he's waking up and he's hearing things. 
And then this lady walks over. She walks out and she drops the robe she's wearing and she's completely naked. And then she starts fucking him. She rapes Jeremy. I can't say any other way. But she manages to instantly get him in arouse somehow and then rapes him. Uh, meanwhile, also somehow, and you figure out exactly later, covering herself in blood. Uh, she starts rubbing it all over her tits and stomach and chest and getting all off on it. And then I guess when he comes, he comes too into the real world. So we don't know if this is a dream or not. But here's my guess. Uh, what did you think I thought that lady was? Any guesses? If you said his daughter, that's exactly what I guessed. And we'll have to find out if anybody is right at the end of the movie. Of course, when he's woken up, he's woken up by uh, Boss Man and, well, I'll call her Natasha now since we found out her name's Natasha. And to see what exactly we're going to do. And again, Natasha has a wonderful line. I should leave his ass out here to freeze, but that'd be too fucking easy. Cut him down and bring his ass inside. You go get the pork chops in the car. What fucking pork chops? Where did that come from? How? How? What does that mean? Like, I guess the cop that's in the car, you can go get the pork chop. It's still more pig-related humor. It's it's just stupid. It's just stupid. That one, ridiculous. And she says pork chops. She doesn't say pork chop. Pork chops. So, like, there's multiple. And there's not. There's one lady cop. And... I don't even think you want to talk about pork chops with her. Because then that's kind of rude, right? Because you're talking about thighs and maybe they're meaty pork chops. And you don't really... Uh, well, I'll, I'll move on from there. Now we're back inside the house and everybody is tied up. Lori is tied up next to Jeremy. And they're the ones that are in charge of the show. We kind of go outside and we see that the other four cops have showed up. And they're going to start in, uh, moving upon the house to hopefully save whoever's in there. Of course, they're there late. Uh, there's a joke about calling backup, and everybody's like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you call backup? Call fucking backup. Instead, they don't. And most likely, they're going to fuck themselves, right? So, back inside, they tear open Jeremy's shirt, and he's got uh, a huge scar, like fresh scar, on his chest of an eight. Uh, at least that's what it looked like from this angle. And now we kind of know exactly where that broad got the blood to wipe all of herself. She made the uh, incisions on him with her hands and then rubbed the blood of his blood all over her. And honestly, at one point when you're watching it, you it's disgusting to say this, but you kind of imagine that maybe she was using her own blood, if you get what I mean, to rub all over herself because of where she was positioning her hands and grabbing and pulling up. But now we know the truth. It's not period blood. It's, you know, blood from him instead. So they hear that the cop's approaching. Uh, and Natasha takes a really good shot and manages to nail one right in the head from very far away. The other cops, they come around. And basically, we get... Uh, uh, again, she... With Lori, even though she doesn't like blonde, she's like flicking her nipples. She starts flicking her nipples over her chest and she starts like rubbing up on her, all this stuff. It's really weird and quite disturbing. Uh, and uh, you come back outside and there, one of the cops comes in and, and frees Lori but then gets killed 
because he puts his shotgun down to be able to take her out. And Natasha picks up the shotgun, blows him away. Uh, and then she cocks it again. And Lori, well, actually, no, she, she shoots him with a right, with her gun. And Lori breaks free, knocks the gun free. Natasha goes and grabs the shotgun, turns it on Lori. She fires. Lori grabs her gun, turns it on Natasha. She fires, and they both kill each other with no blood whatsoever. I mean, there isn't even a bullet wound. There's nothing. They just, there's like the faint sound of guns, and then there's nothing. There's no damage done to anybody except for two headshots in the entire film. Jeremy is still roped up there and and hanging out on the chair uh one of the other cops gets the better of one of the goons that guy rick that you heard for a second and then boss man he's able to take out uh the last of the cops that's there so everybody is dead uh with the exception of boss man but then krampus shows up and kills the shit out of him so everybody but jeremy is dead jeremy wakes up from kind of the the daze and stupor uh to find Santa entering the room because he's been knocked on the floor and they have a little chat. Now I'm breaking this up into three different parts because uh, there's small parts that maybe you don't need to necessarily hear, but there's a lot of exposition that goes on that you get to understand about why Santa kind of does what he does and his relationship with Jeremy. So part one, you, you all right, son. Looks like all hell broke loose in here and they left you to tell a story. Why? Why me? We're all fucking dead. All of them. Well, we can't do anything about that now. It's almost Christmas Eve. But I'm feeling awful gracious this year. I think I'm going to grant you a wish for Christmas. What's your wish, Jeremy? For Christmas this year? I just want all the pain to stop. All the killing. I just want a normal life. Well, I hope you've been a very good boy, Jeremy, because that's a very tall order. Remember what you did to that little girl's Julie? Come on, think about it. You remember? What? Oh, no. No. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. You get the picture, don't you? Please forgive me. I've never been able to. That little girl, her mother, her mother and I, well, let's just say, we were pretty close. Jeremy, that little girl you killed, that was my daughter. So, I guess he killed Santa's daughter. And this is a way for Santa to get revenge upon Jeremy. But how was he going to get revenge on him? Why, if he did something on accident and he's been sorry for it for so long in his life, like he didn't mean to kill the girl and he's lived with the guilt forever, why can't Santa just fucking forgive him? And two, why is Santa fucking regular bitches and getting them pregnant? You you can't be doing that. I guess maybe at one point Santa decided that he wanted to have a family and he wanted to settle down. Even though he's an immortal god, you know, at least he could have some mortal children. I guess he's trying to be like Zeus, right? And he's got the bad brother, Hades, who lives down in hell that does all the bad stuff. But Zeus still gets his hands dirty every once in a while. Well, let's continue this conversation with Santa. It's a good thing I'm not a vengeful person. (laughs) Doesn't go well with the job, you know what I mean? (sighs) My brother, I leave that up to him. He knows vengeance. 
Krampus? Oh, now you're <sighs> catching on, Jeremy. Like, motherfucker. All these people, oh, they all trust you. They believe in you. Do you ever wonder how one person could have so much bad luck? Just when you think it's getting worse, it gets worse, and you fall into one bucket of shit after another. Do you ever think about that, Jeremy? You son of a bitch. All these people have their faith in you all these years, believing in you, you piece of shit. You think I wanted any of this shit? You mortals make up fairy tales about me to justify your own miserable existence. I have no measure of my actions. I'm a fucking god. So, as we understand here, he basically watches over Buddy Buddy and then he sends Krampus out to fucking ruin their lives. So it's like, when he said it's in the beginning of that part, you know, you ever had like a bad day and it kept getting worse and worse and worse? That was me. That was my brother. We fucked with you good. It's kind of fucked up. Like, I can't believe Santa's this much of a dick in this universe. When did he become such a prick like he's tired of dealing with... Well, I guess I'd be tired of dealing with those snot-nosed fucking kids all day myself. And if you've got somebody there that can fucking take care of them, fucking let them do it. You know, except for you shouldn't let them just beat the shit out of kids to the point that they're unconscious. That's just not cool. And you shouldn't be there so the kids still think that you're the good guy, right? You need to have good cop, bad cop. Santa Claus, Krampus. Claus, I guess. Because that's his brother. Uh, And now, here comes the part of the conversation where we get our big twist and revelation. Now, let's see if our guess from earlier was right. And then I'll talk about something. And remember, think about five years. Think about five years. And listen to what Santa has to tell Jeremy. Christmas is about giving, Jeremy. You haven't received your present yet. You want your family back? (laughs) Hell, you already had your daughter. Remember? Think about it. You understand this sign here? It's not an eight, dumbass. It's infinity. Infinity. Means forever and ever. That torture of yours is gonna last forever. Was it real? Yeah, just think about it. You're gonna be a grandfather and a father. That's a hell of a feat. Reminds me of some of those families I deal with down south. <laughs> Who says there's no Christmas miracle? So, of course, we were all right. He fucked his own daughter. Now, when I met with the five years thing, now, it's a little odd to me because in the first film, I think she was meant to be a little younger than she actually was portrayed as. So, when you watch the first film and you look at Heather and you only really meet her towards the end of the film when things kind of go down, uh, she's probably somewhere about maybe... She's supposed to be between 13 and maybe 15. Now, five years ain't so bad, I guess. Uh, But it's still kind of sick. Like, four to five years. I mean, if she was 13, let's say. Four years. When she's fucking him in this movie, she's 17. Or she's 18. So I guess she's of legal age. And maybe that's the way they can get around it. But you think about it. Like, that's still not a whole lot of difference, you know, for what... The fact that you're you they're, they're figuring out a way, and I have a feeling that they he went through with the script and he was like, how many years can I write this so it seems like it would be okay and we can show this naked chick on there 
uh, doing her dad so that it wouldn't be creepy five years. Because then at least she's within legal parameters. And we go say, oh, no, in the first film she was 16. She was 15. Oh, she's 20, 21 now. But who knows? Because everybody else that gets captured in these films by anybody is like 10, 11, 12. I mean, even if they were 12, she would would have been 17 at that time. But when you watch her... And you look in the first film, of course it isn't that bad. And it maybe not as much as I let it on to believe, but I still kind of find it disturbing. And the fact that it's so easy to figure out that it was his fucking daughter is fucking ridiculous as well. So, this causes Jeremy then to run outside and go after Santa. And he really wants to kill him. Of course, things happen that don't allow him to do so. And then we run the final credits. Hey, Santa! Fuck you! Really, Jeremy? You really think that's gonna work? I didn't think so. Yeah? Well, this will... Have a Merry Christmas. See you soon, Jeremy. Very soon. And there you have Krampus 2, The Devil Returns. It's a horrible movie. I'm not even going to say that it's a good movie, you know, but it verges on so bad it's good. It's got some scenes in it that are so laughable and so entertaining for the wrong reasons that it's fine to watch. I mean, I didn't have a problem, I think, in general with watching the whole film. If it was truly terrible, it would lead me down the direction of, oh, I can't believe it. It's not reached thanks killing three levels, but it is pretty terrible, especially with the acting and the dialogue and and even the way they do it. When you look back to the first film, even the costume for Krampus has been downgraded in this one. Like it actually looked like a decent costume in the first one, but then he's not used so much. He's used a lot more in this one as well as Santa Claus. And it just ends. It like literally he's trying to kill Santa he can't kill Santa, he, he can't kill himself, because Santa's made him immortal too, I guess. Or at least, he can't commit suicide for this purpose. Uh, and he has to live with the fact that he fucked his own daughter, and he's gonna have his own grandson or granddaughter, slash daughter, slash son. So, it's it's a mixed bag. It's not a terribly long film, um, and I honestly, can go through both in about two and a half hours if you really wanted to. The first film's about an hour, 10, hour and 12 minutes. And this one's close to being an hour and 30 minutes. It's not, 
I mean, without the the credits, it's about an actually an hour and twelve minutes. So it's a very short film. Uh, it's it, it's good for what it does, but it's a pretty terrible film. And I really wish they hadn't even then left it a little open ended for Jeremy to be haunted again by Santa and Krampus to live this life that he's never going to be able to stop these people again. It, it's just kind of crazy, and you know, it's kind of a watch it at your own risk. Uh, type of film so for this film uh, I give the gore a one out of five like I said there's a couple of shots like there's two headshots where you just see the hole but there's really no gore in the movie and even when people are getting slapped and sliced and whatever it is you don't really see anything you see the aftermath and when the shootings happen you don't even fucking see them I mean somebody gets shot with a shotgun and you don't see shit not even a blood packet bursting from their chest nothing it's really low budget and it was made specifically to get the people uh to who want to see a krampus based movie uh fun factor i give it a three out of five like i said there's some really funny unintentional scenes in this film and they're very entertaining to watch i think everybody should see at least those little scenes uh but in general it could be much better than it was uh and there's not enough focus on krampus and more you know not as much as the first film uh but with this one it's definitely more focused uh you know it has more a little more of a krampus focus uh but still not enough to call it a krampus movie right at least you could you had the fear of krampus in uh the 2015 one and he was constantly referenced, at least with all his little toys and minions and shit like that. Crap Factor, this is a 4 out of 5. It is shitty acting to its finest. It's a shitty story to its finest. It's very predictable. You know where everything's going to go. You know how the movie is going to end. Though it did end a little differently with him trying to kill Santa and Santa being a prick. Um, and the whole thing, you killed my daughter thing, was really just strange i just don't know why we needed to have that in either film so overall i'm gonna give this two out of five doctor claws okay uh it is it's something do i recommend it if you really want to watch a terrible movie about an interesting subject be my guest watch it but go into it knowing that It's not truly about the subject. It's just about other things that's kind of going on. Uh, Other than that, um, I actually, I might not recommend this movie. If you're going to do it, if you're going to watch this and you haven't watched the first one, I'd say spend two hours of your life watching both. The first one is is pretty bad as well. Um, They are available on YouTube uh, if you can find it. Uh, both for rent and not for rent, uh, but the not for rent option is not very enjoyable to watch, uh, so it's out there. As for our next episode, uh, I was originally going to finish off uh, Christmas of 2016 with uh, another holiday film, and I am going to go with a holiday film, but since the episode is going to be released so close to New Year's Eve, I figured Let's find a New Year's based horror movie. On the one night they were celebrating New Year's Eve, he was out ending their life. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. 
That's right. Next episode, we'll look at New Year's Evil. Uh, I found a bunch of... Uh, I had asked for suggestions on Twitter, and I had a couple reach people reach out to me and give me a couple suggestions. Uh, Big Solo 64 he won out uh, because he actually linked me to an article that had a bunch, and I got to view a bunch of trailers and stuff. But I do want to give a sh- shout-out, if I can actually say it correctly, uh, to... The Cadaver Cast, and it's at Cadaver, C-A-D-A-V-E-R, underscore cast on Twitter. Uh, Also suggested Terror Train, and that's something that I think I'm going to look at it later. But just from the trailer alone, New Year's Evil is 100% right up my alley in what I want to do for New Year's, a New Year's episode. Uh, Terror Train looked really great, too. Uh, This just won out barely uh and it was primarily because of my name is evil that was fucking fantastic so we're gonna celebrate like it's 1980 in the next episode and we're gonna watch new year's evil which is available in its entirety two different versions on youtube one that has ads one that does not and you can find both out there the ads one, uh, I think, is more of an official one, but looking at it, it's like every 15 minutes there's an ad that gets put in there. So it's up to you which way you want to watch it. Pardon me. Uh, and uh, since, of course, uh, the following week after this podcast is Christmas as well as Hanukkah, I wish everybody that's listening out there a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy Hanukkah, or a very Happy Holiday, depending on what you celebrate. Uh, and I thank you again. My biggest present has been everybody that's listened to this podcast in this past year. And I couldn't keep doing it without you guys. So I really do appreciate it. Also, please, uh, even though Cadavercast's podcast uh, is not being used, the movie, please check it out. Because it's a very interesting take on the podcast. Him and his son, they watch movies together and then they talk about it on the podcast. It's really cool. I would totally check it out, and it's horror movies, and a little more kid-friendly horror movies, uh, though he does do his own adult-friendly stuff, too, every once in a while, Uh, but I would definitely check that out, because it's very interesting and very fun uh, to listen to. And as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, it's T underscore T underscore podcast, 
Uh, you can send us an email, terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com, if you have any ideas for any further podcasts. I've got a couple lined up. Uh, the 400th uh, follower episode is going to come up at the first of the year. You'll find out what that episode is at the end of the next one. Uh, and then uh, we have always spaces for more movies. Um, and one of the things, you know, we'll try some new stuff in the new year. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook where sometimes I put videos uh, together and I load them up there. I also load them on my personal YouTube channel, but I try to get them up on the Facebook page. And that's facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast. Always please rate and review us. It helps me very much and gets visibility for the podcast if you do. Uh, you can always go on iTunes and review the podcast on iTunes. I believe uh, that Stitcher has the ability, uh, you can leave us a comment on Spreaker, uh, as well as likes on Spreaker. Um, Google Play, I don't believe right now, has the ability to do reviews. But if they do, please leave us a review there, and I'd so much appreciate it. Uh, so, for next episode, we'll be looking at New Year's Evil. Uh, Again, I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season. Talk to you soon.